Welcome back to the 2R1 podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're back with us. Uh, Last week, we were at the beginning part of uh, Mark chapter 3. This week, we will try and finish up Mark chapter 3, and the thought for this week is all in the family. Are you related? Are you related? Uh, Then we have a special guest with us, a good friend of ours, Coach Doug Nix, will join us at the last part of the program. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy the ride. We'll see you in just a bit. So thank you again for joining us. We're glad you're back with us. Uh, Tonight we are going to be trying to finish up Mark chapter 3, and then we believe God is leading us into the book of Acts. There's just been a sequence of events, so we're going to finish up Mark chapter 3 tonight, and then, Lord willing, we're going to pick up in Acts next week. Tonight is all in the family. All right, we're going to pick up in chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Adamea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him, for he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanagers, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we praise you, Lord. We thank you that you love us even when we mess up. Father, that you have plans to prosper us, Lord, and you have a good plan for each of our lives, Lord. Uh, Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And I pray that you would just speak through us tonight, Father, and breathe upon uh, this message and your scriptures tonight, Father. Give us revelation and understanding and draw us all closer to you. Father, use us as a, meth- a mouthpiece of honor and a vessel of honor unto you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so beginning in verse 7, um, Jesus takes his disciples uh, to the Sea of Galilee, and he tells them to go ahead of him and to have a boat ready for him so that he could escape the crush of the crowd if necessary because he had healed all these people Tons of people, again, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, tons of people were coming to him. He was a celebrity at this point, plus they had great need. So to me, what stood out there was he told his disciples to go ahead of him and have a boat ready. You know, he's the son of God. He is God incarnate. He can get a boat ready. But he invites us to participate with him in his work. And there are many things that need to be prepared that God asks us to prepare mm-hmm. in order for Him to work, in order for Him to speak. And that is where we come in as the body and as His people. You know, God, you know, Paul says it this way, you know, uh, one man uh, plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. Mm-hmm. So God's sovereignty, His power, um, does not disqualify us from getting in the boat the gospel ship in the gospel boat and rowing for him. So that was the first thing is that there's work for us to do that God has uh, prepared that we would go and prepare for his coming and for and his arrival. And for his plan, for his for ultimate, his you know, he's got the wide view plan. 
and he knows how it needs to play out, which is also why he tells, you know, the, the spirits that he's cast out and those that saw him, you know, he ordered them not to make who he was known. It wasn't quite timing yet. So he's got all that in his vision. Mm-hmm. And we think we've got a good plan sometimes. Like, well, why don't we just go ahead and everybody's loving you right now. Let's yeah. do something right now. And he's trying to get away from the crowd. He, it wasn't timing. Yeah, his timing his time. is, is ultimately should be our timing. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't get ahead or behind. But sometimes I have such good ideas. That's right. I just think that he, <laughs> maybe my plan could work. Who has given him counsel? <laughs> um Another thing that stood out in those verses, those first set of verses there was um, when it said, and all the sick kept pressing forward mm-hmm. to touch him. Yeah, I thought about that too. You know, that's just, it, some of these verses are really hard to completely deal with and to completely understand and wrap our head around. But you're talking about in these verses both the spiritually sick and yeah, the physically sick. Yeah, because there sick. can't be that many that masks that it's going to crush them that are. I mean, well, there might it have could been. have been because I mean, this is before modern medicine and even small ailments like, you know, we would consider small today were plaguing them. They had zero relief except for herbal, you right? Know? But but also the word had gone out, so there's people traveling from all over the you know in these. So I think it was both, but you, but yes, I think there was there was physical ailment, but there mm-hmm. was also the spiritual thirst that was coming out here. But this is still true today, and I wanted to mention yeah. that, you know, whether someone uh, rejects the gospel or whatever it is, there's a part of them that's longing mm-hmm. to touch Jesus and to have mm-hmm. Him touch them, and you can you can say whatever you want, but at the end of the day. That is why he came, and that is why we have been touched and appointed and set set apart to do God's work. It's for people to receive him. If you're laboring inside the kingdom for any other motive or any other um, any other thing, then you're you're malaligned, misaligned with the will and the heart of God, and that should be our motive. Everything should break down on that line. Are we doing this to allow people to get to Jesus and to take Jesus to people? And everything is all about the people mm-hmm. God came to save, which is every man, woman, and child. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to the 12 apostles that he chose. You know, he's called us uh, He's called us all. He's invited us all. But he's only chosen the ones he knows that have that desire. Yeah. You know, and that's what why these 12 were chosen. And we all want to be chosen. Yeah. I Nobody mean, wants to be left out, and everybody wants to be picked to be on the, the winning team. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what this is here. He's... He's not picking the smartest. He's not picking the most athletic or the most physically fit men. He's picking the ones who want to accomplish his work. They don't even understand it all, but he knows their heart. And when I read that verse, I'm just like you. It, it sounds kind of like you're excluding people. Like Jesus, mine words it like this. says, then he went up into the, went up into the hill country and summoned to himself those he wanted. And mm-hmm. they came to him. So it's like, well, I thought Jesus wanted me to be on the team, you know. He but, does. But it, that verse at first kind of strikes yeah. you as that. And why did he appoint just those 12? Well, I think there's... there's ton- yeah, there's a few reasons. The reasons that you mentioned that God knows ultimately, you know, what our desire will be when he regenerates it with the Spirit. But the other reason is, you know, those were the men at that time for that job. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, whatever that, that's the way it and, is today. And, and if he would have taken all of the masses, because I have to believe there were some in there that really wanted to know more and they wanted to go deeper, but it wasn't their time yet. And had he chosen everybody who he knew in his timing would be there, he wouldn't have been able to pour into this small group. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's just there's magic that happens in small groups. Absolutely. You know, it's great to get together with a large congregation and have corporate worship and be in one mind and one accord. But if you want true growth and community, that happens in those small groups. And he poured into these 12 and they walked alongside him for so long and they were able to then multiply. Yep not just add more and more and more. They were able to actually multiply. We talked about that briefly last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have not read David Platt's book, Radical, you know, um, obviously 
most Christian people are not going to agree on every single thing. There's a couple of things in there that I may differ a little bit with David Platt, but for, for the most part, it's an awesome book. And he talks about that. If you look at the ministry of Jesus, how did he do it? Did he gather large auditoriums full of people? Um, that Was that his primary way of ministering to people? No. His primary way of ministering and spreading the gospel was to take a few ordinary men. And then send them out. And send them out so that they could then get a mm-hmm. few ordinary men. And this comes down to intimate, uh, consistent, long-term discipleship, mm-hmm. period. They were disciples. That's where we get our term discipleship from. It means and learner. And they, in turn, discipled others. They didn't just go share the gospel once and leave. They had to do life with somebody, yep. and they walked alongside of them as they shared with other people, and then, then those people. And then that's how you multiply. Yep. Yep. It's simple math, which is kind of a contradiction for my <laughs> vocabulary, but even I can understand that. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. it is something that goes undone many times in uh, places of faith, and that is that kind of consistent mm-hmm. discipleship. We need that mm-hmm. because we have to grow in order to be prepared to take the next level of faith, and you just can't get that in a passing sermon a couple times a week. You need someone to live life in the trenches with you, and that's what Jesus did with these men. And so, like Elisa said, he called them for multiple reasons, but... Um, a big part of that being that these were the men for this time that he could focus his attention on these 12 men so that they they could then take the gospel to the masses and change the world. And that's exactly what happened. That's why we're speaking right now in this Mm -hmm. podcast because these 12 ordinary men or 11 of them Mm -hmm. uh, fulfilled God's will for their life. Yeah. And yeah, let's point out that he knew even when he picked Judas, like, you know, all that, yeah. He's sovereign over. It is, it is that The scriptures may be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. You know, he talks about that later in, in the gospel that, you know, there's a verse from, I think it's Proverbs, his his bishopric was um, taken from him. And there's some, there's a verse that it quotes about his prophecy mm-hmm. that Jesus was uh, fulfilling here in this verse. And, and also when Judas, Judas betrayed Jesus, that was prophecy fulfilled. Uh, so moving on. And after, you know, the crowd gathered again, they couldn't get away from him. They couldn't even eat. And the f- the funny part, you have to chuckle, is when his family heard, they said, is he out of his mind? That's our English translation. His I mean, family. I mean, you know how family can be sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, why were they so, I mean, it sounds like they were embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Have I you mean, ever embarrassed your family? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Never. but you, if you, this gets into some of the details and the intricate uh, cultural aspects mm-hmm. of the Jewish people, you know, um, he was embarrassing his yes, family. I mean, he was, he was, he was turning things upside down. Yes, actively challenging the very center of their society, which was also their government, mm-hmm. which was their religion, mm-hmm. and, and he's it, tearing and we know it down. That he wasn't born into some highfalutin family. They didn't have a lot. He was a carpenter's son. But what they did have, even if it was just a little bit of a good reputation, you know, it was on the line. Mm-hmm. And and not just his reputation, but his family's. And so I think I think they were trying to figure out what he was thinking. They they haven't it wasn't I guess their timing yet either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, picking up in verse twenty two. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons, he cast out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but it's but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. That's a lot right there. And you can go a lot of directions with that. But they accuse him of 
his power coming from evil, from the evil one, from Satan himself. And Jesus just points them to the simple fact, the same thing he said about the Sabbath. You know, basically you guys are completely missing the amazing works of God I'm doing, and you're attributing acts of goodness and holiness and healing and restoration to the devil. First of all, that's not the devil's M.O., you know, I mean, that's not what he does. I mean, you know, it says in multiple parts of Scripture, the devil is set against our destruction. He comes but for to kill, steal, mm-hmm. kill, and destroy. So that's the first thing. So it's not even a logical argument. And then second, Jesus makes an argument that it can really be applied in tons of different directions. And you've heard presidents quote this. Um, this can be applied politically mm-hmm. in a family, um, in a community, in a, in, in a job. Mm-hmm. Basically... Again, this is the power of agreement. Mm. This is the power of being in one mind with one goal on mission. Just mm. like you shared that that was your revelation, Elisa, from from you from mm-hmm. your mission trip to Uganda. You know, I I personalize this in two ways. I personalize this with our family. You know, me and you and our kids, and then going on in the further verses, I personalize it with my individual self. But you know, I, my my heart goes out to the um, maybe the wives out there that are listening, which is a common theme where maybe you know God has gotten a hold of them. They're walking with the Lord, and you hear that a lot. That mm-hmm. the husband is just very resistant to the things of God, and and they're they're wanting a breakthrough. They're wanting to see, you know, um, God sweep their entire house. Yeah, you know, and um, so this verse tells us the importance of solidarity in the home. But I can tell you there are other verses for those women that are listening that that your faith is contagious. Oh, yeah. And God works on a time scale that is beyond what we work on. And your faith is contagious. And so keep persevering. Keep pushing. Later on in the podcast, we talk about grit and perseverance. You know, stand in the gap for that family member that is divided, that family member that is, you know, not in agreement with you and your, on your faith, that is not saved. Um, so even though your house is divided in the sense that some are saved and some aren't, um, it doesn't mean that your house will fall, like Jesus yeah. says here, because you are essentially the you're covering your home. Yeah, and there's scripture that talks about that too. And you know, right. with that grit and perseverance in mind that you know, your prayers will and can save your household. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, God is God is sovereign over all of that and we can't possibly even though I have a great plan of how that should unfold, his plan is yeah. going to be much better and and much more effective. And if that's where you're at and you're struggling with that, I would encourage you to go and read the story of Rahab the harlot, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a very good story, at least in my mind, where she brings her family that did not uh, support the spies of Israel, brings them into her home. The whole walls collapse around her, but her home is, is yeah. saved and her, her entire family. The faith of one saves the family. Right. Um, and not that someone can get into heaven no. on your salvation, but the point is, is that your faith is contagious and God mm-hmm. will work through you to reach those others. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing, um, when he goes in here, is he says, if a household is divided against itself, it, it cannot stand, it can't survive. That's how mine says. Um, then he goes on and says, furthermore, no one can break into a strong man's house and make off with his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. After that, he can ransack his house. Yes, I tell you that people will be forgiven all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. However, someone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. So in this scripture right here, who is the strong man? The strong man is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of holiness. And that's why he says later on, if someone blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it's the unforgivable sin. Why is that? Because if you if you allow the strong man to be tied up and and rendered useless and ineffective, then your house is open and vulnerable. And so the minute you uh, evict the Holy Spirit from your life, you evict 
um, the Holy Spirit from your decisions and, and, and you spurn the grace of God and you walk away from the faith, you have allowed the strong man to be tied up and bound. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. That's why it's the unforgivable sin. Now, some people may be thinking out there, well, if the Spirit was in the house, that means you were saved and you can't lose your salvation. I'm not trying to get into that debate. My point is, the minute you take away uh, the Holy Spirit from the situation, you are officially defeated. And once you take the Holy Spirit away, there is no there is no forgiveness because the, the Holy Spirit is who uh, grants us victory both in salvation and in day-to-day life. And the minute you allow Him to be bound up or you bind Him and evict Him, you've officially thrown in the towel. That's it. Um, another thing I want to say about that is I I think that uh, godly roles in a family are so important, and that's something that God is still taking us through, Elisa, me and you. Absolutely. And, it, and it's something that we are not always completely 100% clear on. It's something that we're not always completely uh, confident in and, and, and comfortable with. But it's hard being a there are roles. <laughs> there are roles in a house, and and. And God has designed us in complementary ways. And the minute we try and uh, operate outside of a role, we're not going to be as effective. Now, back to the woman who's fighting for her home and, mm-hmm. and, and fighting the spiritual scripture. fight. That is, keep doing it. You're doing what you have to do, and you're standing in the gap for the person who's not fulfilling the role God has planned for them. But in an ideal situation, the husband is the high priest of the family. He's the one that that protects the family both physically and spiritually, prays over the kids. And and men, we have to be the strong man in the home. And if we allow Satan to get a stronghold on us, guess what? We're just an inroad to the family. He's not just coming for me. Mm-hmm. He's coming for my wife. He's coming for my kids. And every bit of fruit that God has preordained in their life, he wants to strip it away and make it rot and fall to the ground. So, men, we have to be the strong man. We, we have to be because there is much at, at, at stake. There is a high cost for spurning the grace of God and failing to walk with Him. There is a high cost, and it will not just end in my destruction. It will end in the destruction of the family. Hmm. And that's, you know, a lot of people hear that, and they, they think, well, why does God operate like that? But what they're they're failing to realize is that's just how the devil operates. God is giving us everything we need to defeat him. But if we're not using the tools he gives us mm-hmm. and the word and prayer and Holy spirit, I mean, it gives him an open door. Yeah. It gives him an open door. It, 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 it bothers me when I hear women have that perspective because I feel like they're completely taking away what they have been given. And I mean, uh, I, there are some godly women that you're friends with and you can, you can better bet if I get in a pinch, I'm going to ask you to ask them to pray mm-hmm. for me. I mean, you know, you look at who Jesus worked with many times in his ministry. Oh, yeah. He worked with women because he knew that women saw the compassion in his ministry and he, that they could resonate with the true nature of God's mm-hmm. heart. Many times men are callous because we feel like we have to be so tough that we can't connect with those attributes of God. But women bridge the gap mm-hmm. between our head and our heart. They really do. And thank God for women. And, and I mean, think about the relationship between a mother and a child. I mean, aren't we grateful for that? I mean, isn't that a seat of high honor to be a mother and to be, you know, the quintessential mother in the eyes of a child. I mean, when my kids get hurt and when my kids are like, they want their mama, mm-hmm. you know, they want their daddy too, but there's something about the closeness of a mama. I would be so upset if they wanted you. <laughs> <laughs> I would be offended. I mean, the, the, I yeah, just cannot speak enough the about women that. Women today really don't appreciate that, that role that we have naturally and, mm-hmm. And, and the leadership role that you guys have naturally, you know, and a woman, this, I'm going to read this scripture real quick. It is in 1 Corinthians 7, 14, 
for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. Mm. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. It trickles, mm-hmm. you know. And that is, again, not to say that someone can get into heaven off somebody else's salvation. And I don't want anybody to hear that and think right. that's what that means. Right. But it's it's enough for now. It's, a, it's enough for now to hold on to. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I will say from experience, when God got a hold of Taylor, it happened pretty quickly for me. Mm. And it does seem like the the people I've seen that happen with, when God gets a hold of the, the man of the house, the husband, the head of the house, he is a God of order and he starts from the head. And it just seems to happen so much faster than if he has to start with the woman which is not the head. Mm-hmm. I like to compare the woman to the neck because right. she can turn the head. Right, right. But, Amen. you know, it takes takes the neck a little bit longer to work without the head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it can happen, and don't lose that. Just. And I think if you ask any godly man that is married, I mean, I don't know if, they, if the others feel like I do, but I would be completely... Um, Are you going to go sweet on us? <laughs> I would be in a mess without Elisa being there as my um, my sounding board and and just helping me sort through the things that are thrown at us. You know, um, it really, Elisa's granddaddy always says marriage is not 50-50, it's 100-100. And uh, we've tried to live by that, but um, <laughs> it's not a perfect... A model. It's a hundred and hundred every, flesh, every but, day. You got to make a choice yeah. every day. But when we do, the bottom line there is, God has a way. That's right. And man has a way, and man has a way that seems right unto him, but the wages thereof are death. God's way. Yeah, there is a lot there. God's way gets us gets us the victory. Okay, and to wrap it up, verse thirty one. And his mother and his brothers came. And standing outside, they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Hmm. And I just love how this chapter wraps up, and it's going to segue perfect into our journey through Acts. Um, you know, when you look back at chapter 3 as a whole, it is all about how people are reacting to Jesus. And you've got people who are following him because they want to see his miracles. You've got people following him because they want to be healed by one of his miracles. They want to see what they can get from him. Then you got the under, other end of the spectrum. You got the people following him because they hate him. They want to have him killed. They want to they catch are, him. They're accusing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the disciples who are giving up their entire livelihoods, some of them leaving their families, their jobs, everything to follow him, just to hang on to everything that, that he can share with them. And then you've got some that are apparently on this inner circle who – don't just want to see what Jesus can do for them, and they don't just want to see something amazing. They want to hear what he has to say. Mm. And those are who's all in the family. Mm -hmm. And so we are all invited to be on that inner circle. And what if what what Jesus says offends me? Mm. What then? Do they leave? (laughs) I mean, you know, you read later in the scriptures, Jesus, like, it, he almost seems to intentionally run them off. You know, he tells them something, a hard saying, mm-hmm. the Bible says, except you drink yeah. my blood, eat of my flesh. You know, he runs them off. I used to, um, every once in a while, get a chance to hold job interviews for people at my old job. And so when I would interview people, I'd find myself trying to talk them out of it mm. to know who was really serious about working there. Hmm. And so, I mean, I think that's kind of the approach here. Like, not only did Jesus already know their hearts, but Mm -hmm. he wanted them to think about it and count the costs. Mm -hmm. I like the way Chip Ingram says that. He says, you sign a blank check Mm -hmm. with God and slide it under the door. And I I love that image. Uh, But back to what you were saying about hearing him Mm -hmm. and listening to what he has to say. How how many, do we do that? 
do we do that? I mean, you, you look at... Not what other people says he says. Right. Yeah. I mean, how, how many times have we as Christians gone to the source to just see what he has to say, whether it be about an issue, uh, a particular topic, or just in general? Elisa's right. Many times, and I had a, a student tell me the other day, I said, well, how did, you know, how did you arrive at that kind of idea? And they're like, well, I just kind of put some things together from different things that I've heard. And many times that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we hear this, and we put our ideas together about all the different facets of the faith, but we've got to hear what he says. Read the red. <laughs> hear what he says, I mean, but not just the red, the I entire know. counsel of God. And But then you take that a step further. First of all, we've got to hear what he says. Second of all, we have to be, uh, like James says, we have to be doers of the word, not hearers only. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what Jesus says right here. So, yeah, do the will. Who is in the family of God? Well, I believe in Jesus. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I go to church. Uh, I even serve Him in ministry. Or serve in a ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, so did Judas Iscariot, That's right. who goes on to betray him. Judas That's did right. miracles in his name. And Jesus says later on in the scriptures, he says, you know, they said, Lord, Lord, we we did miracles in your name. And Jesus says, but I never knew you. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to, we have got to go beyond just hearing him. And we've got to, uh, we've got to be sold out to what he has to say. Because many times what he has to say is offensive to us, it's challenging to us, and it's going to cost us something. Mm -hmm. So who is in the family of God? Jesus says, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking at those seated in a circle around him, he said, see, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does what God wants is my brother, sister, and mother. Mm. What does God want? You don't know unless you hear what he has to say. Yeah. And that's we can't assume we know God's will. Yeah. Oh, now so we much can there. we yes there is <laughs> we can know God's will for humanity. We can know that God says in all things His will is that you draw closer to Him. We we know that in the scriptures it says God's yeah. will is that you be filled with the Spirit. And when it goes when it gets overwhelming, like God, what do you want me to do? Just tell me. I mean, how many times do we ask? That quick. If you just tell me, I promise I'll do yeah. it, you know. But when you are looking for that clarity, go back to those truths. Go back to those truths, yep. Seek Him out in the yeah. Word. Another thing, too, that's worth mentioning right here, I had a conversation with uh, with a guy that I disciple with today, and we talked about casting lots. And uh, that's something that we don't do a lot, you know. Um, I mean, we don't want to be a wicked generation constantly asking for a mm-hmm. sign so that we can believe. But there are legitimate times where we have searched God out and we have searched ourselves to see if there's a barrier of sin between us and God or something we're missing. We've searched the scriptures. And in those moments, you know, casting lots may be something to discern the will of God in a specific situation. Now, some people may not agree with that, but it's not just an Old Testament concept. Mm-hmm. If you look they later on... They, in Acts. Yeah, in Acts. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. So casting lots. God, I'm going to... By faith, I'm going to, you know, cast these lots, and whichever one lands here or is closer here, or whichever one has the dew on the fleece in the morning, whatever it is, <laughs> that will be your will. Mm-hmm. So it's not showing a lack of faith in that situation. It actually can be, God, I completely surrender to you. Whatever you make to land on, whatever, I will do that. You just control the dice, Lord. You know? Control the dice. Control the dice. And uh, we should bring God in even on the smallest things in our life. But that's going to wrap us up for the book, uh, uh, for our study in the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 3. Next week we will, Lord willing, be in the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. And that's exciting because I think the church is... The early church. The early church. and and We're seeing a shift in our church now. I think everybody can see it. Yeah, God is really stirring His people. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to have Coach Nix join us. Stay tuned.
again for joining us. If you missed any of our previous podcasts, you can find them on Apple Podcasts or on our website, toour1.org. Any articles we've discussed will be posted there as well. And stay tuned. We've got an interesting discussion about grit and what it takes to be successful. All right, welcome back. We have a special guest with us on the phone, um, Coach Doug Nix. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Yeah, we, we had a uh, an article that Elisa kind of stumbled upon after talking with some, some young people in her class, and and uh, she mentioned the article to me, and I said, I think Coach, Coach Nix would be perfect for that. So we, we called <laughs> you up, and... Um, uh, coach Nix is a uh, high school baseball coach in Georgia. He's also an athletic director. He's been a coach for a long time. Um, very godly man. We think very highly of you, Coach. And, and uh, you know, you're Thanks. kind of famous in our in our part of um, in our part of Georgia for your pre for your pregame speeches, Coach. Um, and uh, I've I've been blessed to hear some of your uh, just just kind of pouring your heart out at the sports banquet and stuff like that. And um, I just I think you're the perfect person to deal with this article. So I'm gonna let Elisa kind of take us into the article, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Hey, right. Coach. Hey. Hey. All right. So this article, I know you've looked at it a little bit. I'm just gonna kind of brief it real quick, and then you just give us some of your wisdom. All right. It's titled "The Theory of Grit as a Predictor of Success in Life." And the reason I found this article is because I was talking with some students of mine, and we actually read it. It was a different article, but it was talking about what successful people have in common. And it was all about how it didn't matter how smart they were. The smartest kid in the class could end up doing nothing, but one that teachers overlooked that were just um, motivated is, Mm -hmm. is what it boiled down to. So the ones that had the most grit was the most successful. And I'm going to read this one quote from this article and we'll post it. It says, Grit is a combination of passion and perseverance, a belief that failure can be overcome. It's a willingness to conquer challenges instead of avoiding them. So, Coach, tell us, tell us what this article, reson- how it resonated with you. Yeah, I actually uh, read it last night and... Um Today, I had a chance to share it with my weight training class, just some of the quotes and stuff in there, mm. and um, a lot of truths in the article, and, um, you know, I was inspired by reading it, and just, uh, you know, in my own personal life, you know, as far as being a coach, and, and raising a family, and growing up on a farm, and, you know, growing up with uh you know, brothers and all, you know, kind of fending for you, <laughs> for yourself. <laughs> well, and just, you know, grit was just a part of our lifestyle. I mean, that's my dad. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> He's an awesome man. Uh, yeah, he, um, he taught us how to be tough. And... Hey, <laughs> and and how how to be you know gritty and um and I and I'm our coaches saying you know I only know kids if they even understand what this means now hey I mean, you gotta have grit and you crawl mm. and of course a a, a crawl is a the neck of a a bird a dove and I'm I'm a bird hunter so you know when you clean them you pull that out and it's it's little stones and stuff that they uh pack around and, and it mm-hmm. gets in their, in their crawl of their neck and it helps break down their food and, and hmm. um so you know i just you know growing up on that farm working in the summers in the back of patch and and you know living with those those brothers and, and my dad and I mean, he, he just taught us to be tough and how to how to persevere and how to you know make do what you got how to fix things with your hands and um, how to mend things and, and, and to live on a, on a, you know, make, build a stretch of dollar. Yeah. And 
um, you know, we, we, uh, we, we were blessed. I mean, growing up just having, you know, good parents and, you know, I had four awesome brothers and, and we were competitive, <laughs> you know, we, we, we actually got that from our mom and dad. I mean, they, dad never let us beat him at anything. <laughs> and, um, if we were in the backyard shooting basketball or whatever we we're doing, he, 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 was, he, he usually beat us <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, playing cards or board games or whatever. My mom was just as competitive. I mean, she, she, it was cutthroat now playing setback and, and rook <laughs> and all those card games. And, um, but you know, just they, they, they taught us how to be greedy and tough. And, um, you know, it's something that I try to, you know, teach our kids, the, the kids that I coach, you know, to, to be tough and to continue to fight. And, you know, we, we tell our kids, you know, you play like you're ahead 10 runs, no matter what, you still sprint on the field, no matter what the score is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you I know, like you, you know, you, you, you never give up, you never quit, you never give in no matter how tough, you know, things are. And, you know, this year was a tough year for us in baseball. We, we, we went from playing in a state championship game to um, not being near as good as we were the year before. So we, we had to overcome a lot of stuff this year. And I was proud of how the kids just kept fighting. And I just kept telling them that, hey, just keep fighting. Mm-hmm. Just keep fighting. keep fighting. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give in. And, you know, so we, we really had to persevere through a lot, you know, this past season. Mm-hmm. And you know what? In the end, I, I don't know that. You know, you talk about success and 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 those kids that had to go through that and persevered that. I mean, they may have got more out of that season than the bunch that played for the state championship. Mm-hmm. Yep. You yep. know, in, in the end, to be this, honest, this article goes into a lot of detail about failure and how it's yeah, crucial I, for success and and that grit. Mm-hmm. And and I and I'm you know I'm I'm actually doing baseball weight training this year and. And those guys that, that I have back, because we had we didn't have many seniors. We only have two. We're still a young team. You know, those guys having to go through that and now knowing that, you know, it's going to take some work to get back to where we once were, you know, as far as, you know, our baseball program. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're, they're working their rear ends off right now. And we're, we're preaching, hey, you got to be mentally tough. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's part of the grit thing right there. You know, mm-hmm. mentally tough tough and and i mean life is tough and and that's what i love about high school athletics the fact that you're gonna be put in situations that you're uncomfortable out there on the field and on the pitch and the batter's box and you're not always gonna win yeah Yeah. and that translates over to life and and kingdom yeah coach i remember uh, a couple years ago several years ago when we when we had um morning duty together you know we would get a chance to talk about life and get to talk about the lord a lot and i remember that particular year you said that you had been reading the book of joshua and uh you just loved that book and you really that was going to be your model for your team yeah. that year um and that really connects with all of this joshua had grit. yeah t- tell us <laughs> what you saw in that coach just kind of take us in the locker room on one of those joshua speeches and how this article is just right there speaking the same thing. Well, I mean, he, he's like a lot of people in the Bible, you know, he, he, he had to overcome. And, um, and I always try to pick stories out of the Bible that, you know, you know, where the wall had to be rebuilt or, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's just so many examples in the word that, and, 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 and look, I'm going to be honest. I, Coaching now has become a ministry for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I want to be able to share, share Christ with my my kids and and you know what He did for us and 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 um you know just so many overcomers, so many heroes in the Bible mm-hmm. and um, you know so you know I, I I try to take those stories right there and bring them to life and. Um, you know, for those kids, and, and and I think sometimes kids don't understand that, man, they are some cool stories in the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? And yeah. God didn't always pick the pick the no. biggest and the strongest to fight it to you know to lead His people. 
Certainly when they hit of the glass. No. You know, we, we, of course, we talked about Joshua that year. We, you know, we, we talk about the disciples, and I, I always try to tell my guys, you know, look, uh, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ, he wasn't a wimp. <laughs> That's right. They, they were fishermen. They, they were real men. They were tough guys. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, they lived and came up in hard times and, you know, didn't have running water, and they were a lot tougher than we are. Mm-hmm. And, and aside from the physical um, things they had to overcome, they were they were cast outs, you know? Yeah, they, oh, yeah. They, I mean, they all, they were all basically died for their faith. I mean, mm-hmm. except for um, John, who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, but the rest of them were killed for their faith, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what grit looks like in the kingdom. No matter know, the it's cost. Not, it's not a worldly success to be gritty in the Christian walk necessarily. Yep. And that's that's one thing that I wanted to make sure that we, we translated into the kingdom. And, you know, and, and something that I mentioned to you, Coach, was, um, you know, there is a difference between being tough and persevering um, both in life and in kingdom work and doing God's work and thinking that you can work your way into heaven or you can work your way into God being right. happy with you. That's certainly not what we mean, but our, our our perseverance and our grit should be there, and it should be a testimony to our faith. It should be a testimony to how much we love God that we will we refuse to back down, we refuse to 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 tuck our tail and run. We'll fight until the bitter end, no matter the cost. That's right, and I and I and and, and I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. Are we are we gonna tuck our tails when things get tough? Are we gonna and I've been there. We all have. I've I've sat right there at a table before, and 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 you know, ha- have an opportunity to share Christ with somebody, and just sit right there and not mm-hmm. say a word. I've I've been there. I've done that, and I know we all have. Mm-hmm. And and you walk away and say, you know what? That was, you know, God gave me an opportunity to share there, and I didn't do it. That that's not having grit. You know, yeah. the the gritty, tough Christian. You know. They they take advantage of those situations right there, and you know, and and we should as Christians be praying for those opportunities. Hey God, you know, Jesus, hey, give me an opportunity today to share Christ with somebody. Mm-hmm. And and if we're praying that, he's he's gonna give us that opportunity. And and then, you know, the the, the true grit comes. Hey. When, when that time comes, during that day or that week or whatever, hey, what do we do when that opportunity arises for us? Are we, do we tuck our tails? Do we, you know, kind of beat around the bush about it? Or do we, you know, stand up for Christ and right. um, take advantage of that opportunity? Because sometimes that can be scarier than, you know, a, a, yeah. a worldly fear of a, of a crazy hard task. You know, sometimes just that simple obedience of speaking to someone about Jesus, that can be very, very intimidating mm-hmm. and very, I mean, you know, I've failed and, in that and too. And I have too, and that's part of the grit too, is when you fail, you don't let that stop you from the next time he gives you the right. opportunity. Yeah. That's yep. right. And, and and just like in athletics and, you know, we're, we're going to fail. Peter did it, did it three times. And, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, we're going to fail as Christians and, you know, are we going to learn from it? Or are we going to get back up and, and, and fight the good fight. That's what the Bible tells us to do. Be strong and courageous. So we can and change "fight the good fight" to our our new translation of "walk with the walk the walk with the grit." Walk with grit. <laughs> walk like with that. grit. We need a T-shirt. You know, one more thing on, on as we as we close out, and this is something we talked about briefly today. But you know, you you, you mentioned your parents taught you to uh, use what you got, take what you have. And and the way I say that in kingdom kingdom talk is work the gift, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, coach, you got you got a team with nine positions you got to fill. And it takes everybody doing what they're called to do and placed to do for the team to win. Yeah. And and true grit is working the gift. Whatever God's given me, I'm gonna work it for his kingdom. And that takes guts, you know, and that's that's really what this is all about. You can't Absolutely. play first base and pitcher. No, nope. that's right. <laughs> Not at the same time. But the first base, pitcher's got to cover first base, so some, right, Coach? <laughs> that's right. Sometimes that's true. That's about the kingdom of I mean, right. you know, we got to stand in the gap. 
Well, when he does, sometimes he gets yelled at. <laughs> well, thank you for speaking with us, Coach. God bless you. And, uh, yeah, man. I enjoyed it. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll talk to you God. soon. I appreciate thank what you, y'all Coach. are doing here, Sailor. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And please tell your family, we said, hey, you know, Elisa's Molly's biggest fan. You know, well, my, that's hey, my girl be, right there now. Hey, that, that we need to have her on soon, too. <laughs> yeah. She'll speak some truth to. now. The whole Knicks clan. <laughs> hey, y'all need to call. She would love it. Yes. Would I love will. It. Well, thank you, Coach. Thank, yep. Y'all have thank a good you. date night. Talk to you later. Yeah, we'll see you <laughs> We're so glad we were able to get Coach Nix on the show. Um, he's one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. Uh, of course, Tony and Boa from last a couple podcasts ago when he tells us his testimony is so inspiring. But on this side of the ocean, he's one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. Um, you know, he hopefully he won't mind me sharing this, but before I really began walking with the Lord. I saw Coach Nix do something that really left a huge impact on me. I've never forgotten it. He probably thinks it's no big deal. Uh, but before I was walking with the Lord, I was had an opportunity to work some with Coach Nix. And uh, he just started reading the Bible in the middle of the gym floor. Students all around reading it like it was just me and him and the Lord. And I was kind of looking around, slightly embarrassed, just wondering kind of what to think about it and what was going on. And he read it with such conviction in a place that just seemed so out of place to me. And uh, I have never forgotten that. And I just respect that so much. Uh, Now, Coach Nix will be the first to tell you, none of us are perfect. But as far as Uh, telling the good news of Jesus Christ. He has never shied away from that in any sense. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for that seed he planted in me that day. Well, that's going to wrap it up for our podcast this week. Thank you again for listening. Uh, Please pray for us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next week where we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 and see what God has to say uh, about his church in 2019. God bless.